0: Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast, your weekly dose of interesting thoughts around items of note in the hotel investment space. And as usual, you'll find two of us around the desk of insight. That's me, Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Analyst, and I am also joined by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst to chew on items of note and this week we're going to start by looking at the business of sustainability, Uh, not least because there have been two organisations launched in and around the hotel space uh, in the last week or two. Now one of these is the Sustainable Hospitality Alliance. Uh, You could argue this is actually just an existing rebadged group but um, it has been revitalized by uh, the chairmanship of Wolfgang Neumann and he told me this week he's very keen to get more hotels involved uh, and get more action going on. Uh, Not that the organisation is doing too badly, it has got 25% of the global hotel industry by rooms as its members so it should be fairly well backed. There are four areas where the SHA is keen to get involved and make some change. Uh, Climate action, water stewardship, human rights and youth employment. And um, Norman told me, told me he's quite passionate about trying to make a difference. Uh, so that is a global group and it's got quite a lot to do as it wraps itself around different cultures different and different parts of the industry in different places. Uh, and it's been joined by a second group launched in the UK and focusing more on things European, that's the Energy Environmental Alliance. Now this, this is a group that's fairly well backed because it's got Ufi Ibrahim, former CEO of the British Hospitality Association, uh, Association as the CEO, and Peter Till, who's involved with Choice Hotels in uh, Europe, has become chairman of this organisation. This one is a little bit more uh, focused in what it's trying to achieve. And it's looking at uh, linking industry with science, uh, enabling members to source more sustainable energy, and to achieve world-class operating standards. And they've linked with the uh, Building Research Establishment Energy Assessment Method, BREEAM, which has made great headway uh, in making office buildings more efficient and enabling at their efficiency to be measured, and they're looking to do the same with uh, the hotel properties as well. So, uh, all positive stuff. Uh, Andrew, is it, it high time, isn't it, that the hotels got their got their their act in order and went a bit greener?
1: Yes. Um- it's one of these um, sustainability is one of those topics where if you say anything negative about it you're about as popular as farting in a lift um, <laughs> however <laughs> however what's that contra- smell <laughs> <laughs> yes. contrarian that i am yeah um so the environmental social um and governance agenda which i'm going to pop this whole business into the esg thing um that, that is absolutely top of mind uh, for many capital providers Um, and if a business wants to access the cheapest cost of capital being able to tick those ESG boxes is ever more important. Um, my, My question is is it just about ticking boxes or is there something inherently worthy about ESG as an aim in itself? Hmm. now uh, this question really came up i mean it's um because of it was 50 years ago last month milton friedman wrote his famous essay where he said the companies their principal focus should be on profitability as he put it the social responsibility of business is to increase its profits um now that's become deeply unfashionable uh, however, I think there is something within it, and I'm um, looked to a far more contemporary source. And um, this is a professor of finance at NYU uh, Stern School of Business, uh, a professor called Aswath Damodaran. Um, he, he writes a great blog, um, Musings on Markets, if anybody wants to look at that, if you're a bit of an economics wonk, as, as I am. And what, what, what he said, um, and he published this on the 21st of September, um, to coincide with um, the anniversary of Friedman's essay. Um, and what he said, what well, this is what Asworth said, was the hype regarding ESG has vastly outrun the reality of what it is and what it can deliver and what was interesting he criticized investment managers bankers and consultants for actually being big beneficiaries of this push into ESG um you know what do you need you need more advice that's the thing if you're a consultant um you need more consultancy that's the most critical thing any business ever requires (laughs) from a consultant um
0: as far as a consultant is concerned yes yeah (laughs) quite yes absolutely (laughs) Absolutely.
1: (laughs) absolutely um but uh, the thing with ESG is it, this is not to say ESG isn't important and, it, it, and that, that it you know isn't a um, the question is whether corporates are necessarily the right way of trying to achieve the end goals and I've got a slight issue in terms of um, as, as a citizen um, I want to politicians to sort this out and i vote for a politician to sort this kind of stuff out i'm not too keen to have it imposed on me by some corporate entity uh it gives me the heebie-jeebies um to 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 see that happening and i intensely dislike corporates that moralize at me and tell me how i should or should not be leading my life so i've got big problems with that um now it's you know admittedly it's a bit of a thing for me and people who think like me but um, and and I recognize I'm in the minority but there is an issue about um, how ESG is perceived and this it's an you know always a good thing well I don't think it always is a good thing. You've got to be careful how you're looking at it because there are very real costs with the implementation of ESG and you've got to balance that with the need to make money. Um, I would caution also some of this, the cheerleading that goes on around ESG in terms of look, it pays for itself. It's a fantastic thing, isn't it? Um, If you look into that data, most of it is simple correlation, very little causality. So, you know, being good at measuring um, normally correlates to being a good manager and also correlates to being good at able to deliver those boxes for ESG. So you you look good at ESG, therefore you're, you're a good manager. Being good at ESG makes you a good manager, doesn't it? Say the proponents of ESG. No, it doesn't, I would argue. I don't think there is any proof of causality between them. So you've got to be a little bit careful with that, I think. Um, what, what I think is a good thing about both these new bodies is that corporate leaders are going to have to grapple with all these complexities and and get to grips with them and, and work out a way of how they, you know, what they need to do um, in, in a sort of leadership way uh, through that and um, Being slightly cynical about it, I think the sweet spot with ESG is being firmly mid-table. You don't want to be relegated, you know, in the relegation zone and become a target for activists, but also I think there's big risks if you try and make yourself out as a sort of pioneer in the ESG thing, because not only have you got the substantial costs associated with that but there is also a tall poppy thing whereas Hmm. if you look at something like extinction rebellion you know they do target you know that they're anti-capitalist that's within you know their statement of what they're about um as extinction rebellion and that they'll target any corporate that tries to sing its virtues for being green and they'll try and cut that tall poppy down so i think there is risks with being that so i think um you've got to monitor it you've got to be active in it you've got to understand it but um probably um the best way to be is to be um decidedly middle road in the whole thing okay
0: well i'm just going to quickly jump on my my soapbox uh and put it alongside it. my electric car uh from yes. uh, from the top of which i can also see the solar pv panels on the roof of my house um and i'm going to say uh, just a bit about uh, energy, and I know one of the things that EEA uh, was keen to do was to kind of get renewable energy sources for hotels. Now, that, that that the problem with this is, it came in the same week that the Times did a report, which which claimed that um, power companies can pe- spend less than a pound to get a certificate, which will then claim that someone's energy supply is is green. We all get the same stuff; it all comes out of the same um, wires, the same grid. Um, so I'm I'm shouting that hotels ought to be developing more of their energy off their own roofs and uh, bring on mm. the solar panels I say we, sh- we could create a power station with the, with all the hotel roofs in the UK uh, and, and why aren't mm. we and what's interesting is that you know here's something that actually if you invest up front you do get a payback on it um, and the government is funding schools to put solar PVs on their roof because that for that very reason there's a decent payback on it so wh- how long is it going to be before we can we get a green fund that can get together and put the capital in to turn turn our uh, hotels into power plants, so that we don't then rely on so much coming off the uh, gas and uh, nuclear burning grid.
1: Mm. Is that often a, a planning consideration for new builds as mm-hmm. well? Um, um, you know, putting in ground source heat. Um, pumps etc all that kind of stuff and going help you get planning um so it, it absolutely it's all part of the the overall picture i think um i agree chris and, and in, in that sense and um that 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 push to it um it, it's it's balancing it with that um you know where it makes sense absolutely go for it and you, should, you know and it's a good thing to be doing and i think as as we see batteries deployed dear old elon musk mm-hmm. with his Yep. Um, you at know, wall power, you start having that that you know renewable start making more and more sense within that context, and the, certainly the pricing is now coming down. Hotels need to engage with it. Um, I think they need to engage with what's out there right now and be doing their bit. Um, it's the, their challenge is is working out what their bit is I think and that that's quite difficult and uh, these new bodies will help them work out what their bit is that they need to be doing.
0: Right now next we're talking about hostels um, and if uh, service departments were a niche who've done better than most out of the Covid lockdown era uh, hostels are a niche that's probably done worse than almost anyone else, and in fact, they're done worse than hotels. Um, and that's because if you're selling a room, a room with shared beds, you're expecting six, eight, or ten strangers to share. Um, guess what? That's not allowed in the um, coronavirus. Uh, world we currently face and so it's been a very difficult summer for quite a few hostel operators we've been looking at the numbers which uh, Safestay being a a UK listed uh, company have had to put out and also having a word with um, the CEO at uh, A&O Hostels Um, they've had a reasonable summer but they're scared about what's going to be happening through the through the autumn and winter and let's face it things are a long way off where they were last year what
1: Struck me um, when you have sort of safe stay worrying about its liquidity position and talking about sale and leasebacks and all that kind of stuff to shore, shore up its balance sheet. Uh, at the same time, we had a release from City Hub who had just got a whole load of new financing from NIBC and ABN AMRO um, to roll out. So it's all about concept, timing. Well, um, <laughs> it is. Um, I mean, City Hub is 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 a it it, it sees itself as a hybrid Mm -hmm. thing between hostel-hotel hybrid. Um, But for the life of me, I I slightly struggle to see how it's any more COVID-secure Really than a, than a straightforward hostel. Um, other than that, it has got individual little hubs, as it were, as bedrooms. But I don't know if you've seen them. They're kind of like a uh, an L with an upside down L overlinking, so one bed sort of over mm. the other bed in their sort of in in, in the how they do their modular construction thing. So it's it's pretty. Um, uh coded, <laughs> shall we say um it, um in how they and of course alongside that you've got all the shared use facilities which again isn't particularly covid mm. friendly um so that that I, you know so I'm slightly uh, puzzled by this and but I think I think the I, th- I think that is it's about mm. positioning actually and having a story and I think safe stay is just going to have to uh, change its story and talk about and I think hostels are very much part of the future as we come out of this and you know they were um, very much an emergent sector and I think there is still a huge amount of growth opportunity there it's just very very challenged for the next few years as we come out the other side of this uh, pandemic. I think that it's going to be a fantastic place to be. It's just working out, um, you know, what you're doing in the yeah. meantime.
0: Now, uh, we're going to talk about what's been going on across the UK market uh, as regards investment activity and uh, the business of buying and selling hotels. Uh, it looks like things have actually worked out through the summer a bit better than several of the agents expected. Um, and uh, a, a good number of deals are being done. Um uh, the agents tell us that uh you know there's not many overseas buyers coming into the market at the moment because let's face it if some of them want to come and kick the tires they're not allowed to fly over and do the kicking um leaving this space to the Brits. um but what they what they have been seeing is uh, they've been seeing a new entrance to the market and you know people are well capitalized um jumping on board and um are picking up properties and the pricing has been well it's not been weak it's been it's been good and good and steady um
1: mm. so, i mean absolutely chris i think you, you're you know when you're took into the agents they're telling you that um the pricing is 2019 levels yeah. and I'm, I'm hearing the same thing when i talk to people um we don't seem to have seen that i suspect part of that is some of the deals were already in train so that they were done at 2019 Mm -hmm. levels and part of it is that they are deals which are highly desirable so they're gonna if they're gonna trade they're gonna be traded at um Um, at 2019 levels uh, um, the big question is uh, you know whether this is sustainable this this valuation um, and uh, you know I I mean I wish Mm -hmm. I knew the answer but um, certainly I think the economics are looking very grim broadly so uh, I've been looking at the um, world economic outlook which Outlook which is a publication from the International Monetary Fund and they're saying that the GDP this year 20, uh, 2020 is expecting to go down 8.3 percent in the eurozone and by 9.8 percent in the UK um, and what, what I th- found quite interesting in their report is how they describe this as a unique recession is it says that usually um, in downturns uh, uh, service orientated sectors have tended to suffer smaller growth declines than manufacturing. Um, this time it's service sector um, areas, um, particularly those reliant on face-to-face interaction, um, the IMF names wholesale and retail, hospitality and arts and entertainment, and they say these sectors have seen much bigger contractions than manufacturing. Um, and I I think the report also uh, I think has a very realistic view on in terms of the recovery which is much more on the lines we've been talking about um, in terms of we're going to have social distancing into 2021 and we're probably only going to see a return to some level of normalcy towards the end of 2022. there is a recovery next year uh, forecast by the IMF but at the end of next year we're still going to be two percent lower as um if you, if you look across all of the uh, advanced economies as an average we're going to be two percent lower by the end of 2021 than we were at the end of 2019 so that gives you know which is a quite a, a terrifying um you know decline really that, that that's got come through so it, it it's pretty grim and and the answer we've got this weird situation where Uh, trading is just Mm. not normal Um, and you know how on earth do you value businesses and because what if you buy anything right now you've got a year two years three years i don't know depending on the sort of asset you're buying in which that 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 business is not going to be quite probably it's going to be unprofitable going to be losing money and you're going to carry on and how do you value that how do you put that into your spreadsheets to actually get some sort of sensible um, valuation number on it. Um and the old adage about catching falling knives could never be more appropriate, I think, in yeah. this environment. Um, it's very tough. And picking exactly when it's going to change. You know, I've never seen anything like it. and Nobody has seen anything like it in terms of the hospitality sector. Because, um, you know, we obviously had the, the, the catastrophe that was um, Q2. But the problem is we've got an ongoing low-level um, super recession carrying on for the next year, two years or so um, within our sector. And it, it's very difficult to call out how bad the hit is going to be to those balance sheets and how much appropriately you should be discounting those, the, you know, the cash flows that will eventually come off these businesses as we get back to normal.
0: And of course, uh, Jeremy Jones at, uh, it- at Christie's, who does a lot of the sort of smaller um, unit size. Uh, sales in, in the hospitality there quite a few there are quite a few new entrants uh, into the market some first-time buyers and you know, these are people who perhaps uh, covid's forced them to take stock of their lives but they're also well capitalized individuals so they're not borrowing money in order to buy uh, they're using their own their own capital and and they have they've therefore got the patience to be able to sit and not fret about you know will this will this restaurant will this b and b i bought start turning me uh, a decent profit in six months nine months or a year
1: that, that's one way of looking at the another way of looking at it is they're just a bit <laughs> <and> don't
0: understand <laughs> the markets, time will but, tell but, but
1: <laughs> so yes, exactly i mean it, it, it we, we will see um we will see i think it'll probably be a mix and have,
0: have we got a uh, have we got a five star and a no star this week or not
1: so I think no stars this week has to go to the recovery. <laughs> um, it's looking grim and, um, you know, just how badly impacted our sector is. Um, and um, the the five stars, I think, is going to go to the resilience of the sector and the fact that, you know, despite everything, as we have seen, um, people are still wanting to carry on buying into the sector putting money into it and they believe that there is a, a future the other side of this nonsense so i think it's um it's no stars for the you know the current reality the optimism five stars and the for, resilience you know, the yeah, optimism yeah. that's out there well exactly. let's all look
0: forward to a uh, a brighter 21 and a, a fully recovered 2022 we hope okay and on that positive note we'll say bye for now